You're listening to a Church Doctor production. You're listening to the Big Church, Small Church podcast with John Hunter. Conversations and tips for churches to engage in outreach communities to reach new people for God in your neighborhood. Welcome to the Big Church, Small Church podcast. We are in episode three here at Church Doctor Ministries. Many uh, we recognize that the church has many challenges for today. Our hope is to inspire and to equip you through this podcast to start outreach communities to reach people in your town and in your city. And if you hear something from today, my hope is that you would like it and share it on social media. That would do us a huge favor. Also, make sure that you go to thesendmovement.com to download your show notes. Those will really help you out in processing some of this information that we're going to talk about today. So just to recap, in the first two episodes, we gave an introduction about what church really is all about, that it's the body of Christ. It's not about an organization, but it's an organism. And wherever two or three are gathered, Jesus says, I am with you. So it doesn't matter whether you have 100 people on a Sunday, eight people meeting in a home or in a living room, or three people meeting for like a spiritual friendship uh, meeting. The idea is that we can be the church in different size groups, that all of those different sizes serve a purpose and a function. So you get the idea behind this podcast is that there is big church and there is also small church, but it all, all of it is being the church. In episode two, we discussed where to begin. When you're trying to reach new people in your neighborhood, we talked about starting with outreach. Now that means that you don't start in a location, necessarily in a building, or that you start with um, pastoral care. See, a lot of people would just choose a pinpoint, a location, just said, yep, we're going to start a worship service in that area and people will reach new people. It means that new people necessarily aren't coming to faith that way. New people aren't going to just walk into your church building. You might reach some people from other churches. You might have some transfer growth. You might even reach a few de-church people, what we'd call it. Those are people maybe who have left the church for a while, but then uh, they see a new church pop up. They say, oh yeah, I'd like to go to that. Let's try out that worship service. Um, you might meet, you might reach some people who just really have discontent and they just hop from church to church to church. But what you won't reach in starting just a worship service is that you will not reach unchurched people. They are not thinking on a Sunday morning about coming to your new church plant. So we need to start with reaching people. We need to be missionally focused on how we're going to build relationships with those people. Mission always precedes pastoral care also. If you start with people to minister to, you will reach no one. If you start with mission, then you will actually have people to minister to. So make sure that mission always comes before pastoral care, and it also comes before starting the organization part of the mission. Today, I want to talk to you about having a vision-driven mission. I'm going to start by telling you a story. I lived in England for several years. My first year there, I didn't know much about the country. 
getting around was difficult. Everything was brand new. And I had a really great housemate, Andy Bacon. You actually heard from him in episode two. He's a great friend. And he decided that he would take me camping just before Easter in March time. And England's always kind of cold and it's always rainy. And especially in March, it's still pretty cold. I didn't realize this. I just kind of, I trusted Andy for the whole experience. Anyways, we ended up going to this amazing place called the Lake District. There's these big, beautiful lakes and kind of endless, large hills. Kind of some of them are actually mountains. And we decided that we'd go camping there over the weekend. We had a weekend free. And so we went there. And by the time that we actually drove to the Lake District, I remember getting to the campsite and it was pitch black. It was like storming outside. And so Andy and I just decided to um, sleep in the car. I didn't have a driver's license. So Andy was driving. He was sitting in the driver's seat. I was next to him. And so we just reclined the, the chairs back and uh, we had our, um, our evening uh, sleeping in this car. So the next morning, though, we woke up. It was a beautiful, sunny day. And we were really excited because there's a famous mountain in the Lake District called Mount Havelin. And so Andy got out the map and uh, we put our seats up and we, we kind of mapped out where we were and where we needed to go. And so Andy, looking at the map, looked straight in front of us and he pointed on the map and said, okay, here's the mountain, here's where we are, we need to walk uh, straight ahead of us. And um, we were kind of, our brains were a little foggy from sleeping in the car, obviously. And, and I just turned to him, I said, Andy, how do you even know that that is the right direction? Like we didn't even use a compass. And he thought, oh my gosh, we would have just been walking in the complete wrong direction. So we stopped for a minute, got in our bags, dug through all of our stuff, found out where the compass is. And then we realized where we actually needed to go. So we started walking up this mountain. It took us several hours to get all the way up to the top. When we finally reached the peak, there was heavy wind. Winds were like over 100 miles an hour. And I was really nervous about losing the map. And Andy said, hey, hey, can I uh, just see the, the map for a second? I said, all right, yeah, go ahead. Just be careful because it's super windy. And as I was handing it to Andy, the wind, of course, just, um, as you would guess, just took it and blew it off the mountain. And Andy's trying to run after it as fast as possible. And it was a pretty steep drop. And I was like, Andy, it's not worth it. Don't worry about it. Like we can just, we can retrace our steps on the, on the way back. But Andy was like, no, 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 no. Don't worry about it. Like I, I you know, I've, I've been around this area before. Surely if we walk down the other side of the mountain, we can catch a trail that would take us back to our campsite and where our car was. I mean, we still needed to set up the tent from the night before. But the bad part was that Andy and I walked over 10 miles in the wrong direction before we got back to our campsite. We ended up walking to this town that was completely in the wrong direction, and we ended up having to get a bus from there back to our campsite. And we should have never been ha having to walk that far. But there was such an importance from this hike to have, one, a compass, and two, the map to really get us to the destinations that we desired. And both of us 
we really failed on this. I mean, it's a hilarious story now, and we both got sick afterwards. We were so run down from not sleeping well and being out in terrible weather and things like that. But it's, it's a funny story now. Now, in your outreach community, you might be really eager to get you know stuck in and get going. Um, a lot of people who are excited about mission want to just get started. But what you'll need to find out first is what direction you need to go in. Like my hike up the mountains, uh, you will need a compass and a map to get you going and get your people going in the right direction. See, vision is the compass and the map for your church community. This will get you pointed in the right direction. A vision helps people to navigate, to know whether they're on the right track of accomplishing the vision. I love what Proverbs 29:18 says. It says, "Where there is no vision, the people perish." Vision helps you to start with the end in mind. And I'm telling you right now, that needs to be focused on reaching new people. So start with the end in mind. You will know your direction because you know where you are headed. See, vision, it gives a snapshot of the desired future. Vision in the kingdom of God means picturing an aspect of your neighborhood where people are redeemed, restored, and transformed by God. It's an inbreaking of God's healing power. So my question to you is, how can God use your group to make an impact for the kingdom of God? To be a healthy small church, that's what you're kind of, you're starting this like small church here um, that's going to be an outreach community, you will need to find balance. Yes, you want to be mission focused, but you need to be balanced between having a time of worship to God. You need to have time of fellowship. You need to have fun in that time, but you need to have the vision that is outward focus. Again, you need time for prayer, read the Bible, for singing and worship, um, for doing Thanksgivings. You'll need to eat. You'll need to hang out. You'll need to do socials together. All those things are really important elements for you to make sure that you're balanced in all of those things. But if you're going to reach new people, your vision has to be focused on mission. Unless you have a group of all evangelists, which I will tell you right now that you will not have a group of all evangelists just because of the body makeup and how many people actually have the gift of evangelism. You do not have that many evangelists in your group. Guarantee you might be the evangelist of the group. You probably are since you're starting this group. But outreach will always take a backseat unless you make it the mission. It's not because that we don't want to do the mission, but it's the most comfortable thing to do. It's the most natural thing. It's the thing that's been taught to us in the churches to, to form a holy huddle and to be a tight community. And it's great to worship and it's great to build those relationships, you know, but we need to have a vision that makes sure it just keeps pushing us out of our comfort zone and into uh, the mission of God. So what should be your outreach? And I would say that you need to be really creative in how you think and you create this as a group. I think it needs to really be a group consensus of, of how you're going to reach new people. And it'll excite people because they'll all have ownership in that mission. But whatever your outreach is, it needs to include both word and deed. 
What I mean by that is word means the proclamation of the gospel. We got to point to people who Jesus is, but it also needs to involve good deeds. We're meant to do good deeds. We're meant to bring heaven to earth. We're meant to bring restoration to this earth. So that's, that's the presence of Jesus. So proclamation or presence or word or deed, however you want to say that. And it needs to be focused uh, and centered on Christ. Recently, we did this with my group, Water to Wine. We were all really excited about doing mission together and making that the focus of, of everything that we do. We were able to come up with something that we wanted to do as a group by looking at ourselves. We looked at how God had made us as a group, what resources, what gifts has he already given us. Um, we took a spiritual gift survey and uh, I would have never guessed it without taking the spiritual survey. Uh, we actually found that hospitality was the main gift. So now we use that hospitality gift in reaching new people for the kingdom. We love to invite people into our homes. We love to make food. And that is a passion um, that we, how we love to serve our neighborhood. You can actually get a spiritual gift survey from Church Doctor Ministries. There'll be details on how to order within the show notes. I really encourage you to order one for every single person that you want to start this outreach community with. Another thing that you can do is to use a personality profile to find out what kind of personalities are in your group. We use the TJTA here at Church Doctor Ministries. That really gives us a deep analysis of what kind of people um, are on our team. Another one that I really find helpful and is really easy to remember is the Myers-Briggs. You can do a quick Google search on either one of those to really to find out where those surveys are. You might have to pay for them there. They might be free. Another really helpful tool that you can do is doing a SWOT analysis. That's S-W-O-T. And each of those letters stands for strengths, weaknesses, opportunities, and threats. So what you do is you get a whiteboard and with your group, you can draw a quadrant and then put S-W-O-T in each one of those spaces. And then you just discuss as a group for, you know, set a timer, 15, 20 minutes, and you discuss, you know, what are the strengths of your group? What do you think are the weaknesses? What are the opportunities? What are the threats? That will really give you key insights about, how God has formed your group, what you're good at, maybe some things uh, not to do. For instance, you wouldn't want our group building a house from scratch. I'm not very handy with tools. There are some people in that group, but not everybody can do that as a group. Another really helpful tool that you can use is a mind map, what's called a mind map. Do a quick Google search on a mind map. Um, That's just basically, you know, draw a circle on a whiteboard again write your team's name in it, and then just start mapping out ideas in groups of threes and fours of your team and let them really just come up with lots and lots of ideas. doesn't matter if all of them aren't good ideas. Just let people dream. Let people have buy-in. Let people see what they can do with their gifts. I mean, you'd be really surprised what people can come up with when the Holy Spirit really gets working And I would also say, make sure that you're really praying and seeking God's guidance as a group. I just want to share with you a couple of vision statements of groups that I have worked with in the past. This first one is called Sound, and this is what they wrote down for their vision, for their mission. It says, Sound is a community for those with a passion for the arts and creativity, whether that be in music, dance, photography, sketching. All are welcome. We channel that passion into events where people can be in an artistic environment to explore the wonder of Jesus. This is done 
through theme nights in coffee shops, bars, and anywhere we can creatively express our love and passion for Jesus. We also meet as a group to share food, worship, and life. On Wednesdays at 7 p.m., we meet to learn to follow the great creator. Now, doesn't that sound like a group where there is lots of creative people? This group is made full of artists and musicians, and they would honestly, sometimes on some of their outreach events that they would do, they would gather hundreds of people in the city. Sheffield, that's where we were at, just to to come and find out about Jesus. They had some really cool ideas that they used to do. Here is another group that I work with, and this is another good vision statement that kind of helped maybe spark some ideas of what I'm talking about today. So this is what Action has to say. We are a group of students whose vision is to transform Hallam University through faith and companionship. We do this by inviting our friends to dinner parties or we do socials each month at the local pub. We are intentional about sharing food and inviting friends, housemates, and course mates to be a part of our group. Our community believes that spending time in community is a great opportunity to be open and realistic with one another. We meet regularly to eat, worship, pray, and share life together. That is another great vision of how they're going to reach people. Not only is there a kind of a big picture for it, but also they end, each group ends with a few details of where, when, and how they're going to put this vision into practice. I would say the last thing that I really want to talk to you about today is look for the win-win-win situations in your neighborhood. You know, look for nonprofits that you can partner with. There's things in your community that, that are already set up. As long as you can do both word and deed, with that nonprofit, you know, go for it. Then you don't have to spend a lot of time and energy setting something up that is already there in your community. A lot of these nonprofits need people to come and serve. I would encourage you to check out what your local neighborhood has available for your mission community that you're forming. Also, create targets. Either a neighborhood or a people group or a task is a great way to really pinpoint the focus of your vision. Be regular in mission. Try doing it more than just once a month. Try to do it at least twice a month or once a week. Regular mission leads to effective mission because you're building relationships with people. I hope you've enjoyed today's podcast. My question for you today is what is God saying to you and what are you going to do about it? Have a great day. God bless. Thanks for listening to the Big Church, Small Church podcast, a Church Doctor Ministries production. To download the show notes, go to thesendmovement.com. For questions, coaching, or other network opportunities, contact John Hunter at J-O-N-H-U-N-T-E-R at churchdoctor.org. If you've liked this episode, please give a review, subscribe, and share it on your social media platforms.